Welcome back to the Faith, Fatherhood, and Freedom podcast. Figured we'd kick off our first real episode with a talk about government, because why not? In today's world, there's so much going on regarding, is the government responsible for doing this? Is it responsible for doing that? What rights do we actually have? So today, we are talking governments, specifically, biblically instituted governments. In these different biblical types of government, we initially in Genesis 1.27 see a clear mandate to govern when God tells man to govern the earth. One of the principles that comes out of this initially is self-governance and the idea of free will. The ability to choose whether to eat the fruit fills this concept initially in Genesis 2.16. Of course, in the same area where God is making man and he decides that it's not good for Adam to be alone, he makes woman. And here we see the family structures start to come up. Later you move on where Adam and Eve are no longer in the garden and you start to see nations build up. And God clearly gives a mandate for nations to govern themselves. And here we get the idea of a civic type of government. And then commonly thought of in the New Testament, we see the church arise. There's clearly another type of government here. So these are the four main types of governments we're looking at when we start speaking about biblically instituted governments. Self-governance, family governance, national or civic governance, and the church. Now, in talking about governmental structures, I feel a lot of people leave out the idea of self-governance. But Genesis 2.16 says, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Clearly, that gives man the ability to choose whether or not to do it. The concept of free will. So here we can see that man can self-govern. They can, and they're actually called to self-governance. Of course, we know that the man chose to eat the fruit, and here we are today. We go further along into the Old Testament, and we see the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs instructs believers concerning wisdom and how one should live and things that one should avoid. So clearly it continues our theme of self-governance. In fact, many of our modern sayings, which could be tied directly to the concept of self-governance, come from Proverbs. As you sow, so you reap. It comes out of Proverbs 10.6. The concept of letting off steam, Proverbs 29.11. And bite your tongue, just to name a few, that comes out of Proverbs 23.2. Then later into the New Testament, we see Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Pay careful attention to your own work, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And then backtrack slightly into Romans. Each of us give account to ourselves to God, or each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And this is in discussing a matter of conscience and not violating one's own conscience. So throughout the Bible, much more could be said about self-governance. However, the point here is clearly that there is a biblical mandate to manage yourself personally. Next, we see 
man and wife, or the introduction of a family government. The role of the family biblically is twofold, be fruitful and multiply, fill and govern the earth. Comes directly out of Genesis 1.28, and of course more with the family and man and wife, Genesis 2.18-24. Each person in the family has their own role, and is laid out different places in the Bible, but is common, commonly referenced in Ephesians 5 and 6. The idea that the man is the head of the household, the wife should submit to the husband, but they should do so out of mutual respect and kids should obey and respect their parents. All this falls into a family government. Next, we see nations. Nations come out of families and are scattered all over the world. We see that after the incident at Babel in Genesis 11, 8. Biblically speaking, God made covenants. The most commonly known or referred to are the Abrahamic, the Noahic, and the uh, Mosaic Covenant, which in part gave people guidelines on how to live and govern themselves as a group. Civic government, like families, has its own role. It's laid out in different parts of the Bible. Romans 13 is often, often referenced in terms of a national government, but ultimately their goal is to punish wrongdoers, and promote what is good. Finally, we see the church. The church as an institution is mainly viewed through a New Testament lens. Paul wrote his letters to the believers or churches in different cities in which the books of the Bible are named for. The ultimate role of the church is the Great Commission to go and make disciples, of course. And even within the church, we see different principles when it comes to leadership, the church's relationship with widows and elders, uh, most commonly referred to in 1 Timothy. With the knowledge and understanding of these four governments, the question becomes, how are they to interact with each other? So the important thing to remember moving forward is that all forms of government are dependent on proper self-governance to work as they should. So for example, if I have no self-control and I'm always drinking and gambling, my family, my personal family, is going to suffer. If everyone else around me is like me in my self-discipline, then the church as an institution has no bearing and the civic government will break down. Therefore, a proper church, family, civic government are all dependent on the self-governance of a population. So with this understanding, we should note that all of these forms of government have different roles. The church cannot punish crimes in society like the civic government cannot dictate how I am to raise my children. A Dutch theologian by the name of Abraham Kuyper is credited with the idea of what's called sphere sovereignty. This idea ties a lot of what we have already talked about together. The idea states that there's a diversity of authority or spheres and each has their own role. These spheres commonly thought of as the family, the church, the state. They all have authority, but only in their own sphere. And one sphere must not infringe upon the authority of another. The biggest current examples of different authorities trying to transgress other authorities are the idea of church and state, the argument that's been going on for quite some time, and the argument that has sprung up more recently of the government versus family.
Before we can take a closer look at sphere sovereignty, we need to take a quick look at the US government. The word federalism comes from the Latin word of fodis, per, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing the word correctly, but that word means treaty or covenant. Federalism is specifically honored in the 10th amendment and is a process of sharing power, which is similar to that idea of sphere sovereignty. The national government is not to transgress the power of the state government. However, as is true in conventional relationships, each part needs each other. Back to our broader governmental conversation, just like the state cannot remedy spiritual issues, the church cannot remedy injustices regarding the violation of inalienable rights. Therefore, the church and the state need each other. However, we still need a better understanding of civic government. As stated in the Declaration of Independence, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The legitimate power of government begins and ends with the people. From this, we can see that God gives to people and people give to government. Government cannot do what people have not legitimately granted it the right to do. Like people cannot do what God has not legitimately granted them the right to do. Any power given without the authority to give it is not legitimate. The Mississippi Center for Public Policy has a good example for this. They mentioned slavery, saying, Slavery is perhaps the most blatant example of the people wanting the government to approve something patently immoral. The government had the power to condone it because the people allowed the government to do so, but it did not have the legitimate authority to allow slavery because such treatment of humans clearly violate their inalienable rights, rights that were granted by the creator. So here we clearly see a hierarchy of governmental structure. So before we move forward, let's take a quick review. We see biblically instituted governments, self-governance, the family government, a church government, and a civic government. And we all see that they have their own rights and roles and authority. We also know through federalism and sphere sovereignty that they are not to transgress each other's authority. So with that, let's look at a quick case study as of recent. In recent months, we've seen California push a law that would allow a state or to allow the state, California, to assume custody of a child if the parents do not affirm a child's gender. We've also seen the government target and censor parents for speaking at school board meetings. These issues come from the governmental mindset that kids do not belong to parents, but rather to the state. In honoring teachers, supposedly, Joe Biden even said, there's no such thing as someone else's child, and our nation's children are all our children. But God's command to be fruitful and multiply was given to families, not to governments. Child rearing is exclusively a family function, it's not a church function, not a state function, and not even an individual function. Among others, Proverbs 22.6 and Ephesians 6.4 mandate parents to raise their children with discipline and instruction. So children are a gift from God to the family, not to the state. Now, 
Over the history of the United States, parents have given some of their authority to others for the education of their children, known as the school systems. However, the ultimate authority of a child's education still lies with the family. Government does not have the legitimate authority to remove kids from parents or silence parents when the parent does not agree with the school system that they are trusting their kid in. Now from here I realize a tangent can come off regarding school choice, the constitutionality of the Department of Education, and so forth. However, these are topics that deserve their own conversation. And the point of this is merely to acknowledge that the authority is with the parents when it comes to child rearing. So clearly in these examples, the state transgressed the parents' sovereignty. Family rights are even included when talking about rights retained by the people in the Constitution. And the Supreme Court has historically followed this doctrine in the years and cases. You can see specifically Pierce versus Society of Sisters, Wisconsin versus Yoda, Yoder, sorry, and Washington versus Glucksburg. These are just to name a few. Now, this is the Faith, Fatherhood, and Freedom podcast. So for dads out there, I realize that dads have a lofty responsibility regarding marriage and fatherhood, and a lot of responsibility falls on your shoulders. There is no doubt that being a father is more difficult than today's culture would want to give credit for. But there is a lot at stake regarding our kids, regarding family, civics, and the previous case study. Statistics have shown that 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Children from fatherless homes are also three times more likely to be struggling in school or have to repeat a grade. Meanwhile, conservative estimates have American taxpayers spending over $100 billion annually on the consequences of fatherlessness. To take back our families, to reign in our government, we need men to be men and step up when it comes to being a dad. It's not easy, but I guarantee it's worth it. If you are a dad who's struggling, I encourage you to reach out to someone. I know it can be difficult as a man to seek help, but our families, our nation, need you. You can check out sources like All Pro Dad and Focus on the Family for specific guidance, encouragement, tips, and things of that nature. In the coming days, as you see more stories about governmental overreach, take a step back and remember who the ultimate authority lies with. Until next time.